let's open the scriptures to Psalm 103. Resuming our communion series, going through this psalm, and we are up to verse, to verse 14. That will be our text. We'll read the entire psalm. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, and his righteousness unto children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those that remember his commandments to do them. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his, that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. We focus our attention on verse 14. For he knoweth our frame, he remembers that we are dust. Beloved in the Lord, a very important part of any strong relationship can be summarized using the words of 1 Corinthians 13.12, to know and to be known. Really, that gets at a very, very important part of relationship. To know someone in love and to be known. And even as we say that, we readily grasp the deep meaning of those words. It's much more than knowing of someone, or having someone know about you, but to be known means to be understood. 
It means that someone I love knows me, knows my character, knows my personality, knows my weaknesses, knows my struggles, knows who I am, and is sympathetic and is caring toward me. To be understood is a blessed part of a close, strong relationship. And that, that idea gets at the heart of what this verse, Psalm 103 verse 14, intends to teach us about God. And it sets before us a beautiful aspect of our covenant relationship with God, our Father, our Savior. He is a God who knows, who knows His people, who knows them as they are. Make it personal, who knows you as you are, who knows your frame. He understands you more than you even understand yourself because He is the God who framed you, who created you. And that is a beautiful, comforting, warm truth to ponder for a few moments this morning. And as we get down to the bottom of what this verse means, it will prompt us to spontaneously, from the heart, say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. For my God is a God who knows me, who understands me. He knows my frame. That's what we're going to use as our theme. He knows our frame. And we're going to unpack the meaning of that under two points. First, we're going to look at our frame of dust. And then secondly, His, that is God's remembrance of us. He knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. First, idea that this verse of the psalm lays before us is what we are. It teaches us about ourselves. Indeed, our text is a humble acknowledgement of what we human beings are. We are creatures of dust. That's our frame. Our frame refers to what we're made of. It refers to the kind of being that we are. It's a word that maybe brings to mind the Example of a, of a construction site or a building. Maybe you think of Ephesians 2 verse 21 which speaks of the church as a building in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord. The frame is the structure of a building. It holds the walls in place. It holds the roof up. And so when the text speaks about our frame, it's speaking about our human constitution, our structure, what we're made of. 
And that very language of frame emphasizes to us now our creatureliness. The text emphasizes that we are creatures and therefore it sets before us the great chasm that exists between us and God. God is uncreated. God is eternal. God is everlasting. God is almighty. But we, we are creatures of dust. We have been framed by an architect. Constructed by a builder. And you let your mind go back to the beginning of the Bible and there we see the construction site of the human race. Where the master architect and the master builder assembled and put together the human frame. Genesis 2 verse 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Humankind was there created in a special way. We see God going hands on in this building project Of the human race. Rather than speaking mankind into existence. The way he spoke the rest of creation into existence. God as it were. Puts his own divine hands. In the newly created soil. And builds. The human frame. Forming the human frame. From the dust of the earth. And breathing into the human frame. Life. Life. And as we look at that construction site of the human frame, we readily grasp the nature of our frame. And this gets to the the second phrase of the text. He remembers that we are dust. These are parallel phrases. And the second phrase sheds light on the meaning of the first. God knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. That frame which he constructed is a frame of dust. That's the material we're made of. That's our stuff. That's what we're made of. Literally. We're earthy. God is heavenly. We are earthy creatures. And that applies not only to our physical bodies, but our entire frame, our soul as well. As human beings, God created us with a a unique nature that differs from all of the other creatures in the world. We have a twofold nature. We are physical creatures, material creatures with a physical body, but we are also spiritual creatures with an immaterial soul. And one of the, the marvels of God's creation of us is that He has fit these two parts of our being together so that we are earthy, spiritual creatures. But now, when the text here describes our frame as being a frame of dust that applies not only to our earthly bodies, but to our, our souls as well. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 47. In this verse, the Apostle Paul reflects on the creation of humankind. And he says, the first man is of the earth earthy. Speaking of Adam, and as descendants from our first father Adam, that is true of us as well. We are of the earth, earthy. God created us for this earth, to live in this earth. Our senses are tuned to earthly things. Our eyes see material things. We are earthy. That's our frame. A frame of dust. And that is a very important Truth that helps us understand ourselves. Our earthiness is not a bad thing. That's the way God made us. But our earthiness stresses our limitedness and our 
weakness. Dust. We are creatures of dust. And that word dust reveals the attributes, the characteristics of our human nature. The Bible reveals the attributes of God. And we we refer to the attributes of God as the characteristics of His divine being. The perfections of who He is. And now we think back to essentials of Reformed doctrine and those lessons there in that in the catechism book that refer to the at, that speak of the attributes of God and our minds go through them God is omnipotent he is everywhere present he is eternal he is infinite he is all wise those are God's attributes but here we have a revelation of the attributes of humankind and it's all packed into one word dust we have a constitution of dust The qualities of dust. That was true in a certain sense even back in Eden. In paradise before the fall. God formed humankind out of the dust of the ground. And though the human body and the human soul at that time had no defect. But possessed the fullness of strength that God had created it to possess. Yet it was still a creaturely frame. And a creaturely frame is a limited frame. And is a weak frame in comparison with the almighty God. The first man even before the fall was of the earth earthy. He was dust. Perfect dust yet still dust. But after the fall, our dust nature, our dust frame has been weakened all the more. It has been corrupted. It has been debased. The original strength and dignity with which God had created our dust frame, that strength and dignity has been so diminished, corrupted, and debased. And so this text stresses to us what We said in the opening stanza of the Psalter number we just sang. Human frailty. We are weak. It's not just that we as human beings have weaknesses. Weakness is a quality of our very frame. We are weak, frail creatures. God did not forge the human being out of steel. He did not fashion us out of stone. He formed us of dust. And that teaches us so much about ourselves in comparison with God. The one that the Bible refers to as the rock is God Himself. Compare what this past, our text says about us with what the Bible says about God. For example, in Psalm 18 verse 2, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. That's God's frame if we can speak that way. Of course, if we want to be very precise, we would say God doesn't have a frame because nobody framed God. He is uncreated. He is the eternal one. But Psalm 18 verse 2 describes The strength, the stability, the firmness of God who is our rock. Our rock. And so, bringing these ideas together, we see what important applications 
arise for us and for our own self-understanding in our relationship with our God. This text is a humble acknowledgement of what we are as human beings. We are creatures of the dust. And this properly humbles us. Man so often is filled with delusions of grandeur. Grasping for divinity. But he gets brought back to earth every time by this fact of his existence. That man is earth. Thus there's nothing more unbefitting in the human being than a lofty spirit. It's an interesting thing that the word human and the word humble in our English language both go back to the same root. The root word earth, soil, ground. And when we are mindful of our own human frailty and the reality that our frame is made of dust, this will help us realize our own meager strength And as we sang in the first Psalter number of our service this morning, our heart and our flesh will yearn for our God. And we will turn in trust to Him. Too easily and too often we human beings try to act as though we were forged of iron. Or we are made of stone. But we're not. We're made of dust. And when we try to do life by our own strength, when we try to do spiritual life of our own strength without help, when we try to be independent, forgetting that only God is independent, we run into all sorts of trouble. We're dust. We're dust. We need the rock upon which to be fixed. The strong high tower to whom we may flee. The buckler For protection. The deliverer. For salvation. The God with whom is everlasting strength. For the strength. To carry on. In this life and in our callings. Being mindful of our human frailty. Should lead us more and more. To cast ourselves upon this God. Our God. Not to trust in horses. Or in princes, they're dust. Dust cannot be our trust. But this God, who is not a frame of dust, who is the immovable rock, the I am that I am. Let us know our frame. That we might look to our God. And that leads us really to what is the main point of the verse we are considering this morning. The main point isn't so much that we know our own human frame. Though that's a legitimate teaching of the text and application of the text. But who's the subject of the verbs in our text? Who's the he? Not you, not me. For he. And the he... Is the Lord and the Father mentioned in verse 13. God. For the Lord God knoweth our frame. The Lord God remembers that we are dust. The main point is that God knows this. God is mindful of this. God remembers this. That we are creatures made of dust. 
And when we get to the bottom of what that means, what rich encouragement and comfort comes our way. God knows my frame. Of course He does, because He framed me. He constructed me. He built me. He is the potter that formed the clay into the human vessel that I am. He knows me inside out. He knows everything about me. He knows and understands me better than any other and better than I do myself. Now the Bible at times teaches us that fact as a warning. The delusion of the sinner is that he can keep dark corners in his life where he does his own will. And the Bible often reminds us that the all-seeing eye of God You can't hide anything from Him. His eye, His sight penetrates into the innermost recesses of our hearts. But here, this text is presenting that same truth. The omniscience of God presenting this truth for our comfort and our encouragement. God truly knows us and understands us in a way that no one else can Or does. And the force of this word know in the text. Is the force of love. This is a knowledge of love. This is an understanding of love. An understanding. That is coupled with the deepest compassion. Is that not the tenor? Is that not the tone of this whole psalm which speaks about how God is the one who forgives our iniquities? He knows them all and He forgives them all. Who heals our diseases? He is acquainted with everyone and heals everyone as only He is able. Who satisfies our mouth with good things as only He is able. He redeems our life from destruction. He crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. This is the God who knows our frame. And remembers that we are dust. His remembrance of us. When the Bible says God remembers, it doesn't mean He forgot something and now He recalls it to mind. God is unchangeably aware of all things at all times. He has perfect knowledge of everything. And His knowledge never grows and it never diminishes. It is eternally perfect. But when the Bible says that God remembers something, what the Bible is saying is God unchangeably bears in mind, holds before His eyes this. And so, when our text says that God remembers we are dust, it means He bears in the forefront of His mind this reality Our creaturely frame is a frame of dust. And you see what that means. He bears in mind the kind of creature that we are. He understands our weak, frail frame. And therefore, when He performs His works in our life, And in the world, He does so, bearing our human frame in mind. He deals with us 
in such a way that takes into account the reality that we are dust. He treats us in such a way that takes into account our human weakness. He is sensitive, sympathetic to our human frailty. He does not despise our human neediness. You see, this text is an open window into the heart of our God. He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. And that informs all of His dealings with us, His people. He is, as verse 8 says, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. And the ultimate manifestation of God's mindfulness of our frame, of our human frailty, the ultimate manifestation of His remembrance that we are dust, is the sending of the Lord Jesus Christ to be our Savior God the Son took our dust frame upon Himself. He became dust and humbled Himself down into the dust of death for us. Jesus went to the cross in our dust frame to redeem us from sin and from death. And to reconcile us to God and how His human frame groaned beneath the burden of the holy judgment of God against your sins and mine. And yet by His divine power, He sustained that human frame in the bearing of the holy wrath of the just God. That that wrath and that punishment might be averted from us, that it might pass over us. Jesus took upon Himself our dust frame, and in that dust frame, He redeemed us creatures of dust, to lift us out of the dust. And not merely to bring us back to Eden, but to elevate us to a higher and more richer plane of perfection in the kingdom that is to come. He remembers we are dust. And God in His great love, grace, and mercy, rather than suffer His fallen people to dissolve into dust under the curse gave His Son upon the accursed tree who became a curse for us that we might never be accursed and that our dust frame might be filled with His glory resurrected in splendor And inherit eternity. He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. And so what comforting applications roll out of the truth of our text this morning. The first one I want to focus our attention on is this. The fact that God knows our frame and remembers that we are dust. That truth ought to frame how we think about God. 
There's a mistake I sometimes think we make in how we think about God. And the mistake comes from misapplying or over-applying a certain truth that the Bible teaches about God. And it's the truth that God is morally inflexible and uncompromising. What I mean there is that God is perfectly holy. And therefore He is inflexible when it comes to the righteous demands of His law. And He must be. He is supremely good. He is absolutely just. God would not be good if He was morally flexible. Willing to be flexible when it comes to the demands of His law. God is morally inflexible and uncompromising. But the mistake can sometimes be made that we transfer that idea to the entire character of God so that we think of God in every situation, in every context as this God who is inflexible and uncompromising, unyielding, harsh. And that's completely contrary to what this psalm reveals about God. Indeed, God is absolutely inflexible and uncompromising when it comes to His moral law and His just demands. His holiness may never be compromised. Thus the cross. Thus the cross. The cross maintains God's inflexible moral demands in His law. The cross shows the punishment that sin deserves. And on the cross, Christ bears that punishment for us. And God's moral inflexibility, His absolute holiness and justness, highlights the depths of His mercy when we look at the cross. The Son of God was willing to bear that for us. But now, God's moral inflexibility, the fact that He is uncompromisingly holy, does not mean that He is stone cold, hard hearted, or that He has contempt for us when He looks upon us in our weakness, in our human frailty, in our struggles. When you're in the pit of depression, or in the whirlwind of anxiety, or when you're spent, And you feel poured out like water. When you've come to the end of your human resources. How does God look at you? Is he hard hearted and cold? Wretched creature? Weakling? No. The text shows us the heart of God. He knows your frame. He remembers that you are dust. He is not full of contempt for your spiritual weakness, your physical weakness, your mental weakness. He's the good shepherd who comes and ministers to you in compassion. Who again is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, plenteous in mercy, Who does not always chide. Who does not keep his anger forever. That's how we need to think about God. In no way does that compromise God's holiness or his righteousness. Or that sin is displeasing or provoking to his wrath. Not at all. But that truth is 
perfectly in harmony with the truth that this psalm lays before us. That the heart of God is not a heart that is quick to fury. That is impatient. That scorns his weak people. But the heart of God is a heart that knows our frame and remembers that we are dust. And in all of his dealings with us as our Father, that perfect knowledge and understanding of us informs all that he does. When he chastens, he chastens in love. When he lays a burden upon us, he never lays a burden that is beyond our ability to bear. Even though sometimes those burdens are so heavy that yes, our human frame cannot sustain it. He sustains our frame. When we're in the deep valleys or in the pit and our spiritual life is in shambles, God doesn't look at us with scorn, but with tender mercy. The Good Shepherd comes to minister to the lost, broken sheep. That's our God who knows our frame and remembers that we are dust. And now our Father is pleased to show that to us and testify that reality to us in the Lord's Supper. He comes to us, His children. He's prepared this feast for us. And here in the Lord's Supper, He says, See, see, I know your frame. I remember that you are dust. Now receive this bread of dust, this wine of dust, which you can taste and which you can see and which you can handle with your hands. And see in it the picture of what I have done for you, my children, redeeming you from sin and death, giving you the victory over all suffering, over all trials in Christ Jesus, my Son. See, see, that I know your frame. And I remember that you are dust. And so great is my love for you, my people, that I did this to have you for my own and to lift you up from the dust. To dwell in my house forevermore. And so, beloved, come to the table. Come to the table thinking about your God. In light of this text, not a God whose heart and mind is full of wrath and scorn for you, lowly creature but whose heart is expansive with His love, His grace, and His mercy. Amen. Gracious God, press the word of this psalm upon our hearts.
use this word to shape how we think about thee. Though thou art the God of inflexible holiness, of absolute justice and righteousness, yet thou art also the God full of mercy and compassion. And now, as we see this in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, use this sacrament as a means of grace to strengthen our faith and our trust in Thee, the God who knows our frame and remembers that we are dust. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.